We're going to get started in just a minute. But before we do, I want to talk to you about Anchor by Spotify. It is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. This is what I use for my podcast, and it is fantastic. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. or die show glad to have you with me today and i am super excited about the conversation you are getting ready to listen to uh, i had the conversation i've also listened to the conversation trust me you are in for a treat looking forward to it before we jump into that however i want to remind you that if you have not yet subscribed to my youtube channel please take some time after you listen to this perhaps you're listening at mojo 50 listening on the radio maybe you're listening to the podcast version of this on your podcast platform of choice. Thank you for doing that. But once you get done listening, jump over to YouTube and look for Jeremy Stallnecker. You'll find my YouTube channel there. Make sure you subscribe, hit the notification bell. That lets you know when this show and other content comes online there. And uh, I'd love for you to follow along. Uh, I do my best to provide resources that can be a help to you and an encouragement to you in your life. That's what this show is about. And that's what the rest of the content there is for as well. So please take some time. Go to YouTube, search for Jeremy Stallnecker, my name, and you can subscribe, hit the notification bell, like, comment, and share this content out. That would be fantastic. If you'd like to know more about me, you can go to jeremystallnecker.com, jeremystallnecker.com. I use my name for everything because I forget. <laughs> so it's really simple, jeremystallnecker.com, and there you will find my blog. You will also find uh, all of my social handles. You can find out where to follow me and the work that we do uh, personally and the work that I do through the Mighty Oaks Foundation, the organization that I am a part of. And uh, I'd love for you to stop by there, also a place that you can reach out to me and uh, we can communicate. If you have a question, a comment, a thought, I'd love to hear from you. Again, thank you for joining me today. And uh, I am uh, super excited about my conversation with the man, ultramarathon man, Dean Carnazis. If you are not familiar with Dean Carnazis, uh, you need to be. Dean just wrote another book. I think this is his fifth book. He is a New York Times bestselling author. And this book is entitled A Runner's High, My Life in Motion. For those of you that know Dean, you know that he is uh, one of the pioneers, really, of what we understand of ultra-marathoning. These ultra-distance races, ultra-endurance races, we have marathons at 26.2 miles. An ultra-marathon is considered anything beyond that. And there are standard distances. There's the 50-kilometer distance. There is the 50-mile distance, the 100-kilometer distance. That's getting up there. 100-mile distance, that's a long race. A lot of folks are doing that as well. Dean has done each one of those and more. He has done multi-stage, multi-day races. He has done a marathon without snowshoes. 
at the South Pole. A uh, great story there that he tells uh, in this book as well. Um, he has run on just about every continent, if not every continent on Earth. At one time, ran 50 marathons in 50 days in 50 states. Incredible stories and uh, so much to his life, a very rich life, a life well-lived, and a life lived through his legs. <laughs> he is a man who has run and continues to run and is inspiring. And I'll tell you one of the things that makes uh, Dean Karnazes uh, perhaps different, at least to me. Uh, there are a lot of folks who are involved in ultra running and some incredible folks, uh, incredible uh, human beings are involved in this sport. You need to follow and, and uh, learn some of their names and understand some of the things that they've done. But Dean is a, an incredible storyteller. Uh, he takes his adventures, he takes what he's done, and he tells stories in a way uh, that is entertaining, in a way that is motivating, in a way that makes you, if you're really paying attention, filter what's being said through your own life and understanding how. Uh, if you will, you can endure, you can push forward, you can uh, go forward in ways that you never thought were possible. The show is called The March or Die Show, and it's called March or Die for a reason. If you pay attention, if you watch, if you listen, uh, every week we talk about this. In life, when the difficulties, the trials, the obstacles come, when the enemy is uh, firing your direction, when the rounds are falling around you, you only really have two choices. You can stay where you are, you can give up, you can die, uh, and a lot of people who are breathing aren't really alive. <laughs> They're just existing. You can do that, you can decide to die, but the better choice is to march, putting one foot in front of the other. And one of the reasons I love the work of Dean Karnazes and listening to him speak and watching him as he's interviewed and understanding many of the things that he's done and in our conversation today uh, is that he embodies this principle of putting one foot in front of the other. And there are so many great lessons there for us. I hope that you will enjoy this conversation with Dean Karnazes. Dean Karnazes, thank you for joining me. Really, really appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this for several weeks. I just wish we were doing it live, brother, but yeah. uh, it's good to be on. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. No, you are, uh, you're in Australia right now, quarantined, which if anyone knows your story and knows you, uh, sitting still, being locked in a room, that's not really your style. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure whoever is uh, below me is, is cursing me because I'm up <laughs> moving constantly throughout, throughout the course of the day and the night, actually. Your Instagram feed has been uh, been pretty fun the last week or so as you uh, work out running up and down the hallway in your in your room. Um, yeah, I'm sure the <laughs> folks underneath you are pretty happy. Uh, you are there for uh, an event called the 1000 Miles to Light. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? I, I've read a little bit about it, but I don't really understand all that's happening there. It, well, it's a very interesting event in that it's a team event. So it's a four-person team from the U.S. and a four-person team from Australia, and we're signed up to run a thousand miles uh, in 10 days. So we'll be covering a hundred miles a day. So wow. each runner will be covering 25 miles and it's a, a fundraiser for an organization called reach out, uh, which is a, 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 a greater a charity that um, helps youth cope with uh, mental health issues. Wow. Uh, Australia is experiencing uh, a pan well, a pandemic, but a, an epidemic of, um, of mental health crisis. And I used to live in Australia and I thought, you know, I was invited to come do this. And I thought I've got to, I've got to do what I can to, yeah. to try to support this cause. So that's the genesis of it. It uh, starts at a place called Broken Hill, 
which is a thousand miles from the coastline. And it finishes in a, a coastal township called Byron Bay, which is the easternmost point in Australia. And so the, the title of the, the run is A Thousand Miles to Light because, you know, symbolically, we're kind of crawling out of the darkness into the light now yeah. Yeah. Uh, with the end of the pandemic. And, and also, we, the finish line is actually when we all touch the Byron Bay Lighthouse. So that's what it's all about. Man, what a what a cool event! Um, one of the the many stories in your first book, Ultra Marathon Man, um, that really spoke to me was when you started to describe that two hundred mile run you did. It was supposed to be a relay. You decided to do it on your own, um, but you ran it for a cause. And you talked about the little girl that you were running for and how her and her family met you at the finish line. And, and it seems like reading that 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 experience changed a little bit of your perspective on what you could accomplish with some of the things that you're running and doing some of these, these events like this one. And, and you've done many, many others since then. Yeah. I think we we've all experienced how running great distances for some, for some reason inspires other people Yeah, and they, uh, they get behind, you know, what you're doing and they support what you're doing, which is a, a beautiful thing. And I think everyone wins. So I, I learned that from, you're right from the, from my first book. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, Dean, uh, your books have been, uh, been fun to read. You sent me a copy of your new one, A Runner's High, and uh, I'll hold it up here and, and show everybody. Um, man, fantastic book. I, I enjoyed reading your first one, Ultra Marathon Man. I know you've written a number of others as well. This book seemed um, almost more transparent in a way, and maybe it is. Maybe the perspective of some, some distance has helped you to be that way. I don't know. Entertaining, encouraging, helpful. Um, but very, very transparent. And as a guy who is always looking for lessons to apply to my life, uh, it's packed full of lessons for life. Um, it's pretty awesome. What motivated you to write this book in particular? Well, you know, it's somewhat of a sequel to my first book, um, yeah. Ultra Marathon Man. You know, it was, it was a coming of age book. It was about learning uh, about the crazy you know, world of ultra marathoning and delving into it. And A Runner's High is, you know, five books later and, you know, almost uh, in 25 years later, yeah. you know, <laughs> how has that journey been? Yeah. You know, how have I changed? How has the sport itself changed? And I thought I, you know, I thought I would give the perspective of uh, endurance, you know, as you know, you know, st- staying true to something, staying true to the person you are and continuing to pursue your passion is, is not always easy. Right. So I thought, you know, to write a book, write a book about your aging, about you know, your families, your relationship with your family and your friends and, um, and, and make it fun and readable. I think that's one of the things that makes you unique. I mean, you, you started this journey before there were, you know, podcasts and a lot of the media that we can consume constantly now. Um, and you started to tell stories about not only the running, but the experience of running, the things that were going on in your mind and the things that were going on in your heart and some of the challenges. And I, I think that makes you, you're, you're an incredible storyteller and that makes you unique perhaps in this space. Um, reading this, there are so many things here. I, I always say that running is a metaphor for life because I think it is. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to read just a couple sentences from, from this book um, in that chapter on endurance. Endurance comes from enduring. You say this, the lessons you learn from running translate to life. The runner has a strong body and a strong heart. You get knocked down, you pick yourself back up, dust off and keep going only to get knocked down again, only to pick yourself back up once more and continue on arising uh, one time greater than toppling. And in this persistent enduring, you acquire endurance. Uh, man, what a fantastic paragraph. It sums up really, again, how I feel about, about running. It is a metaphor for life. And I think so many people want an easy life and don't realize that endurance and real value comes in the pursuit and pushing through and enduring. Um, 
is that something you intuitive, intuitively understood, or is that something you've had to understand over a, you know, a couple decades of doing this? I think it's, it's been something I've learned over, you know, over the course of, of doing this and over the course of, of living, let's be honest, you know, you, you look, you learn as you age and, you know, a lot of people, including myself, you know, we typically try to avoid difficult things, right? Right, right. <laughs> you know, that's that's kind of how a lot of people live their life is just avoiding anything yeah. that's difficult. Particularly Americans. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I've learned that there's, you know, there's magic and misery. It's just the opposite. Um, yeah. Throwing yourself at difficult things is the essence of a life well lived. Yeah. Uh, this is one of those weird things. I, I serve in the United States Marine Corps and uh, it's funny, you look back on the most miserable times of your life, and they become the most uh, precious moments of your life, because it was somehow in the enduring when you're cold and wet and tired and hungry and away from home, that you're around other people and those bonds are so tight and so close, and it becomes so meaningful because you've had to deal with something. And man, it, so much is lost in life if you don't experience enduring. <laughs> Well, I mean, because of your service, and, and thank you for your service. I mean, you know, you, you've learned these lessons. You know, the, the thing with ultramarathoning is it, it teaches you these same lessons. And not a lot of people, you know, serve in the military. So you're, you're not exposed to that same sort of hardship and you don't learn the lessons that you learned. And I think that that's one thing ultramarathoning um, provides to, you know, to normal civilians. Right. The, the title of this show is March or Die. That's uh, kind of a mantra <laughs> that I have for life. Um, and I wrote a book called March or Die about my time in Iraq. And there's a story that goes along with that. But um, when I was reading your first book, and this was when I reached out to you, I read this and then I immediately reached out to you. And I, I thought if I could get Dean on to talk about this, I'd love it. Um, you tell a story about, you know, the struggle running. And I think it was your wife that said, you just need to put one foot in front of the other. Just put one foot in front of the other. And that's the essence of, of March or Die, because I think so many people, they hit obstacles and they hit trials and they hit difficulties and they can't see the end from where they are. The struggle is long and it's been long and they just stop. Can you talk about the value of that? Just that perspective of just put one foot in front of the other. Just don't quit. Yeah. I mean, that, that's something again, that you ultra marathoning has taught me. And you know, you, when you think too much, <laughs> that's when you get yourself right. in trouble. You know, you, you, instead of thinking you, you act and you be in the moment and you be in the present here and now, which we're rarely in the present here and now. Right. I mean, our, our minds are active and we're typically, uh, you know, reflecting on the past or thinking about the future, uh, especially during a, a difficult ultra marathon, you know, you're, you might be halfway through and think I'm destroyed and I've got 50 more miles to go. How, there's no way I'll ever get to that finish line. And it's demoralizing, right? It's, it's overwhelming. Yes. And to your point, you know, my wife said, don't, don't think about the finish line. Don't even think about the aid station, <laughs> you know, a couple, couple miles up the road. Just think about taking your next step and yeah. then think about taking your next step. And literally getting that granular, just executing to the best of your ability in that moment of time. And it's almost like a Zen-like state, right? I mean, you can, mm -hmm. put your pay, you can put your mind in this kind of meditative place where you can get through anything, I'm convinced. Yeah, I, uh, I mentioned to you, I, I ran a couple of 50Ks this year. And uh, I've run forever since I was a kid, but I've never been into long distances. So I'm just trying to figure it out. And uh, I remember distinctly having a thought uh, during my first one. Uh, I just want to quit. But I keep telling people they need to march or die. So I better just keep putting one foot in front of the other. I can't be a hypocrite. But man, there's so much power in that, isn't there? 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm glad you were, I'm glad that you wrote that book. It's going to keep you honest, right? For the rest <laughs> of your life. You're not getting away from that one. Yeah. I hated that book when I had that thought though. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I, uh, I thought, man, if I hadn't said that, if I just kept my stupid mouth shut, I wouldn't have to keep going, but here we are. You know, people run for different reasons and I'm sure you've been asked, you know, a million times, why do you run and why do you run long distances? So I won't ask you again. Um, but having heard your story about your first long distance run, you came at a, you know, kind of a, a turning point in your life where you were examining your life at 30 and realized maybe this isn't what I want to do. And you went for a long run through the night. Um, there are those inflection points in our lives that require a decision to be made. Uh, one of the things that you talk about in both of your books, and, and I've heard you talk about on podcasts and so forth, is, is your sister and um, how she was killed in a, a terrible car accident. And, and that's something that is still very meaningful to you. And I think required you to make a decision. It was another inflection point. Um, how important is responding, I'll say, well, when something difficult or traumatic happens to you, but then making a decision and sticking to it? Uh, so many of the folks that I work with through the foundation that I'm a part of, the Mighty Oaks Foundation, are men and women who have served our country, who are dealing with trauma and who have not made good decisions, or they've made good decisions and not stuck with them. Um, you know, I, don't go any deeper than you want to, but, but that process of being confronted with trauma and difficulty and some questions about your life, and then deciding, I'm going to do something different. Can you kind of talk us through that? Because I think a lot of people live there. Well, I mean, I, trauma, you know, is we all deal with trauma and difficulty in, a, in, in different ways. And I certainly don't want to say that I, you know, dealt with my sister's death um, well initially, uh, you know, to me, it was the most shocking and devastating thing I'd ever experienced. Right. And we were very, very close. And I mean, she died on her 18th birthday yeah. and I was 21 and she was my best friend. And all of a sudden she was gone. And, you know, I, I went through the stages of bereavement, a shock. You know, at first there was complete denial. I just couldn't accept it. I kept thinking, you know, she's going to show up and we're going to go hang out at the beach as we always did and have our chats and our walks. Yeah. And it just wasn't happening. And that made me angry right. and destructive and self-destructive, I should say. I, you know, I crawled into a bottle and started just drinking to numb the pain. And it, it took me nearly a decade to come full circle and realize, you know, she would not want to see you like this. Right. You, you, right. you know, you're a fool. She would want to see you living your life to the best of your ability. And so I said, you know, to celebrate her, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And on those days when I, you know, I stray from my values, I come right back to that place and say, you know, you, you, you've made that, you've made that commitment, <laughs> stay true to that commitment. And, uh, and that's really been my, um, my guidepost ever since. Did you have someone walk you through that or was that something you came to on your own? Yeah, no, I, I went through it on my own. I, you know, I didn't go to a counselor. I didn't do any of the things that are more commonplace these days. Right. I, I kind of suffered in silence and just figured it all out. That they're so powerful. We, when talking to, I say we, I mean, we've all dealt with these things and we have to do the same thing, but um, often the admonition to someone who's dealing with trauma, you know, from me and an organization that deals with that is what would those who you left behind, what would they, what would they want you to do? Uh, we talk about, you know, men and women killed on the battlefield, our friends and our family members and people that we knew and trained with and loved. And we can, fall into that place of kind of survivor's guilt or remorse, or I shouldn't enjoy anything because they're not here with me when really it, it should be the exact opposite response. The one that you just articulated, 
what would they want me to do? How would they want me to live? And that should drive us forward. And man, to see you respond that way is so empowering, I think, for others who are dealing with, you know, horrible situations in their lives. Yeah, well, you know, I say, give yourself some space. I mean, it took me 10 years, hopefully it won't take you that long. But, you know, these things, it's ironic, we're having this conversation, because um, today is, (laughs) at least in Australia, where I'm at, you know, uh, about 15 hours ahead of you, it's, it's um, my sister's birthday. Oh, wow. So, you know, it, it just more reinforces my commitment to, uh, to live into my fullest. Yeah. There has to be a place where you find meaning and purpose. And if you don't, then, then you flounder. And it sounds like, again, that's where you came to on your 30th birthday. I've got to do something that means something. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that said, I'm a bit nihilistic. I mean, how much purpose and meaning? I mean, at a point you just say, just, you know, life is about adventure. I mean, I think Amelia Earhart, um, you know, had, had a great quote, adventure is worthwhile in itself. Uh, you know, who knows what's going to be around when we're, when we're gone. And, you know, you you either, you either have uh, an adventurous, fun life and exciting or or you don't. And that's kind of up to you. What are some of the uh, big lessons maybe that you've learned, not just in running, but in life that um, you've been able to help other people push through difficulties. And, you know, we talk about, running. <laughs> um, but people deal with all kinds of things. And some of the lessons that you've learned that help people move forward, what are some of those things you'd say you need to do this or think about that or um, consider this if you're dealing with something difficult? You know, the, the one thing that I'm, I don't run from anymore is, is dark moments, oh, uh, dark emotions. Um, you know, I, I want the full range of human emotions. And that is not always happiness and bliss and joy, is it? It's, it's depression sometimes. It's, mm. it's darkness. It's regret. And I don't, I don't shy away from those things. I delve right into them and, and let myself explore those dark places. Uh, and, and these are not, these are not happy emotions. Right. Sure. <laughs> these, these are yeah, at all, but I, I don't, uh, I don't try to hide those. I don't try to gloss over them or cover them up. I, I fully, ex- you know, delve into them. Yeah. That's great. Uh, yeah. It seems like as humans, we're always surprised when something crazy happens, <laughs> but that's just the human experience. Like something crazy is going to happen in your life. Don't be surprised. Um, yeah. Lean into that. That's awesome. Um, one of probably my favorite parts of, uh, of your new book, A Runner's High, is when you talk about uh, your parents, for sure. I, I love how you talk about that and how you describe that relationship. Um, but then, you know, personally, I have a 20 year old son. I have a 21 year old daughter. Um, you spend a lot of time talking about your son and, um, man, I love it at, at one point, uh, and I won't ruin it for those that are reading it, but at one point I, it, how you told the story scared me a little bit <laughs> and you brought it around. I mean, it was so well done. Um, just fantastic. Um, when you think about things like legacy and I, you can use a different word if you'd like, but, uh, what you're going to leave behind, leave behind and you think about your family, what do you want to leave for them? You think of your son and your daughter. What are some of the things you want them to have gotten from their dad, to have learned from their dad? Wow. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm ready for that one. But I, I, you know, <laughs> I should have sent that I'll, one I'll, to you earlier. <laughs> you know, people ask me, well, what's been your toughest ultra marathon? I always say, you know, raising a teenage daughter. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, you know, there's a saying, and I, I think I wrote it in the book that, you know, in, in school, you get the lesson, and then you take the test. And parenting, you take the test and then you get the lesson. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, I, you know, you, you can't tell a kid what to do. Um, you know, kids are really quick to see through hypocrisy. 
Uh, so you've got to lead by example. And that's always what I've tried to do is, is lead by example. So always setting, um, you know, be, being true, true to who I am and being the best version of, of Dean that I can be in front of them. So, you know, having, having good values, um, being a hard worker, uh, being respectful to others, uh, all of those sort of things um, I've tried to instill in them just by practicing them myself, you know, practicing, practicing those values myself. And hopefully, you know, that's the legacy I live with them or leave with them is that, uh, you know, that, that, that values matter. Oh man, that's so, so true about raising kids too. I have a 21 year old and a 20 year old, and then I have a, a 13 year old and an 11 year old. So kind of the two ends and um, it's a challenge and everyone is different and every day is different and you're dealing with things you never thought you'd have to deal with. Um, <laughs> and a lot of the times it's the <laughs> stuff you ran away from as a kid, right? <laughs> you see it in your yeah. own kids. Um, oh yeah, it hurts. Well, and you know, these are such different times, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it, yeah. I can't imagine what kids go through these days yeah. compared to what, you know, it, it just seemed simpler when I was a kid, you know, it was, it just, it, it seemed, I don't know, just easier in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. People talk about, you know, they're scared because of the generation coming up now, man, the things that they're dealing with and let's be honest, they're navigating things we've never even considered before and they're not doing a terrible job. I think, I think we're in a good place, but continuing to help them do that is, is really, really important and very difficult. And I don't think you ever stop being a parent either. As they get older, I thought it'd get easier, but um, I worry more now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're running a marathon every day with four kids that age. Yeah. <laughs> well, my <laughs> wife is, I'm, I'm kind of her crew. <laughs> you're the crew. I, I just put some gels in her hand and kick her out the door and say, you'll be all right. <laughs> oh man. Um, so many great things, uh, you know, I've just learned by reading, you know, what you've said and, and how you've led and watched how you've led. Uh, I think leading others is, is such an important aspect of that that you just mentioned and having the ability to do that. Um, one of the things I've, I've observed, um, not only from you, but from other, you know, competitive ultra runners is that competitors run different than survivors. Uh, this is a kind of a sentence I've been working through and Maybe I'll turn it into something someday, but competitors run different than survivors. There's a difference between someone that stands on the starting line and hopes they make it <laughs> and someone that they may not finish first or second. They may not podium, but they're going to go out there and give everything they've got. And finishing is not even something they consider. Um, is that a truth that you've experienced? I, I, I've just I've watched how people line up scared, not just in running, but in life and some who are I'm here and I'm going to do this. Uh, I think there's a real difference between those who are all the way in and those who are just kind of hoping it all works out somehow. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think that, you know, where my head goes to at every starting line, and this is a marathon or an ultra marathon, is that uh, I'm going to leave it all on the course today. Yeah. Like my commitment right now is that I'm going to try my best and I'm, I'm going to give it my all. And I hope for a good outcome, but regardless of how things go, I'm going to fight to the very best of my ability. Yeah. And, and, and that's, you know, what else can we do? Correct. I mean, that's right. we can either stand there and say, God, I'm really worried about what's going to happen and I might not make it. Or we can just say, I'm, God damn it. Right. <laughs> I'm not giving up unless I'm out, unless they take me out of here on a stretcher. Yeah. And when we forget sometimes that we're the ones who signed up to stand on the starting line and, and to get involved in this, uh, you know, suffering, comes to all of us but some of it we choose and if we choose it we need to give it everything we've got to get through it I think yeah I mean I'll never forget a conversation I had with my neighbor when I was coming home from a, a morning run one time and 
you know, he was, he was out cat, you know, fetching the morning paper and he said, you know, uh, doesn't, doesn't running hurt. And I said, it, it does if you're doing it right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, so some people, some people get that right. Others don't. Yeah. For those that uh, pick up your book and I hope it's everyone, a runner's high, uh, my life in motion by Dean Karnazes. Uh, what is one or two things that you hope uh, that folks will get out of reading this book? There's just so much here. Again, I, I read it probably different than most people would. Cause I, I process different, but uh, life lessons is what I pulled out of it. But what do you hope folks will get out of a book like this? You know, I mean, one, one element that I rarely talk about is I hope they get some literary pleasure. I mean, I wanted it to yeah. be a propulsive book where, you know, it's, it's fun to read. It's, it's enjoyable and it's, it kind of, you know, keeps you turning the pages. So I hope that, uh, you know, th- that that is achieved through a runner's high. And then I hope there's, to your point, I hope there's some lessons that, um, you know, some insights that I provide that help other people, you know, you know, live a more fuller life, I guess. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Um, Dean, where can people pick this book up and follow you on your social media, you know, platforms? I know you have a website, but where can people connect with you and get their copy of a runner's eye? Someone, someone told me if you Google Dean, I'm (laughs) I'm the first Dean that comes up. So I mean, you know just google dean yeah just yeah i mean i have a i have a a website and yeah certainly there's a lot of books almost every bookseller sells uh, a runner's high so you can i'm not i'm not hard to find awesome oh uh, i might be though for the next 10 days while i'm running across australia well we'll uh we'll follow along on instagram i was going to say your instagram account is great um i i assume you manage that yourself a lot of folks don't but it it seems like you do which which is fantastic yeah no i i I think uh it, it it People, you know, people that follow me appreciate my authentic voice. So yes. I, don't, I don't want someone else doing it. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and trying to figure out if you were running in slow motion through your hotel room or if that was uh, <laughs> some camera trick you were doing there. Uh, so much awesome stuff. And a great way to follow you is on Instagram and uh, other social media. I'll put a link to your book as well and uh, encourage everyone to get a copy of A Runner's High. Uh, Dean, uh, man, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. All the way from Australia, we'll be uh, rooting you on as you run a thousand miles and hopefully we'll have an opportunity to talk again. It'd be awesome. I hope I live and uh, we will do so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope you live too, number one. (laughs) And number two, uh, I hope when you get back to California, maybe we can connect and uh, we'll do this again. But thank you. Really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. You be well. What a fantastic conversation so thankful for dean's time and uh man he's getting ready for a thousand mile race he's quarantined in a hotel room in australia he made time to talk to us and uh, so gracious and really really appreciate the time really appreciate the conversation and uh, really appreciate the insights Uh, again in life we can look around and we can see what is or we can understand what is and as dean talks about running and the lessons he's learned from running if we're understanding we'll take those and apply those to our lives We all deal with stuff. And life really, in many ways, is about endurance. It's about enduring. It's about pushing forward, putting one foot in front of the other and continuing on. And Dean has been such a great example of that. I'm so thankful that he has spent time writing about it and talking about it and helping us understand uh, really what's going on in the heart and mind of a person who is overwhelmed physically and overwhelmed with the environment but has made a decision to continue forward and so continues forward. The book that we talked about is A Runner's High, My Life in Motion, Dean Karnazes. Go out and get yourself a copy, order yourself a copy. 
Do yourself a favor. Uh, follow Dean on social media. His Instagram um, uh, channel is uh, where I follow him, and uh, I love it. He's constantly updating where he's at, what he's doing, what he's into, and uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. And in particular, you want to follow him as he runs 1,000 miles. Crazy. 1,000 miles across Australia. And uh, hopefully we'll have the opportunity to speak with him again. But uh, appreciate the time. I hope that was a help to you and an encouragement to you. And so much of the time, we talk about this very simple principle. That's what was illustrated for us even in this conversation. In life, you have two choices. Things will be good. Sometimes things will be bad. I, I love that Dean said he doesn't run away from the darkness anymore. We have to lean into these things, understand that's a part of life and it's a part of living. But we also need to realize a choice, a decision has to be made in those moments. The decision is very simple. Will you stay where you are, give up, quit, throw in the towel, say, I can't do it, I'm not going any further. Will you stay where you are and die, even though you may have a job and do the stuff that makes you look like you're moving forward, but you know on the inside, relationally, spiritually, emotionally, you're dead. Will you make that decision? Or will you make the better, albeit more difficult decision, to put one foot in front of the other and to march? Will you march or will you die? The decision is yours. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Hello, my name is Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we're the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, check us out, Life After Addiction Podcast, and you can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.